All right, everybody say hi to Joshua. I've got, I've got, I've got like four of these in queue, and I have the. I hate the automatic updates that come to your phone because it transfers, it transforms everything to a different. It's perfect. Let's change everything, you know, kind of thing. And so now the format has changed to an MP4, I think, on these things. And so I'm trying to figure out how to switch that over to the sound. So I've got like four of our classes in queue. I haven't posted them yet. So if you're wondering where are these things that you're supposed to be recording, that's the deal. I'm an idiot and don't know how to do it. So I'm trying to figure that out. Maybe some of you tech guys. So if some of you guys may know how to do that, that would be very helpful. Yes, sir. He's giving me a thumbs up. It can be. Can be done? <laughs> All right, we'll put them on tape and ship them to him reel to reel. Um, and it was always successful before. Everybody say hi to Joshua. Hello, Josh. Um, yes, again, I know. I'm just trying to... Okay. Um, we have been dealing... We have been dealing with this constant refrain in the, the, the plague narrative of... The hardening of Pharaoh's heart. You see that at the end of every plague. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God hardened his heart. Uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. You see these different things. It finally culminates into this expression of why this is in the plague that we just went over, in, in plague number seven, in the hail, where he says in 9.16, For this purpose I raised you up, that I might show my power and my name be glorified among the nations. So I wanted to deal with this issue. Um, because some people struggle with this issue, and, 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 and I struggled with this issue a lot. Um, I wanted to explore what does it mean, this hardening of the heart, what does that mean, uh, who did it, and what does that mean for the rest of mankind? Okay, does that make sense? All right. Let's, uh, let's look through just quickly um, the idea of, uh, behind Pharaoh, what we've seen already. It says that God hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and there's two arguments as to how this happens. Who can guess what they are? The two arguments as to why, why it says it this way. God did it, and Pharaoh did it. Okay, there's the one says, Pharaoh, oh wow, it's A-O-H, isn't it? Okay, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh did it. <laughs> right? Oops, space. Did it. Why there a dash between Pharaoh and well, just because it's a definition, which is <laughs> Pharaoh did it. And so, um, just roll with it. <laughs> just roll with it. That's okay. uh, this, is like a, this is like a Marvel comic movie. Just, just, just roll with it. Men can't fly. Anyway, so uh, Pharaoh did it. And, um, and, and, and from that point, God then hardened. But, but Pharaoh had to make the choice to do that first, to, to harden his own heart. What's the second option? God. God. God dash did it. Okay, God dash did it. Oops. Anyway, so so you have God hardening Pharaoh's heart, and then Pharaoh logically flows that he continues to, to harden his own heart. Those are the two options that have been uh, presented to us. They're, the... Um, can we? How? Pharaoh's the one that decided not to follow God. God did it. Okay. So instead of saying it either or, you see both and. Sure. You like my symbols? Does that work? <laughs> Maybe I'm jumping ahead. 
Maybe you are. I don't know. Are you? Are you? Are you? Um, so, the, those who say that Pharaoh did it, that he is somehow neutral and makes the choice to harden his heart, will point to um, you know, chapter 8.15, where it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And, and that it precedes 9.12, where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You know, they, see the order there. They'll, they'll point to that. And we saw that kind of as we were working through it before. Um, those who take this view, how, how do they respond? What do you think? Right, but 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 it eight fifteen precedes that, doesn't it? Didn't he say to Moses that he was going to harden his heart when he was talking? Okay, that to me is the key. Oops, wait, what the heck? <laughs> okay, we'll go A. How's that? Um, that to me is the key issue. But before we get to that, um, there's also the issue of in chapter 7 and before it gets to Pharaoh hardened his heart in 8.15 where it talks about and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, right? There's a passiveness there. If you have a, a construction like that, you have the object, the thing that's passive being hardened, hardened by something other than the thing that's passive, right? Does that make sense? If it's just sitting there, then you think that, well, maybe it's not acting much. Something is hardening it. Something outside of it is hardening it. Does that make sense if it's passive? If I'm painting a room, the room is not painting itself. It's passive to the... the yes? Can it also be along with the idea of we were all dead in our trespasses and in Adam we're all dead and that's the, our natural state is a hardened heart? Okay. Yeah, I don't know if Pharaoh could be anything other than a hardened heart. Yeah? How's that? Because he's... Okay. So that's where he starts? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. That's what you're well, saying. When, when God does things like this, like sends plagues or something, it's either going to allow Pharaoh to see that he's in power or harden his heart. That's always the, the two options. It's either mm-hmm. you, can fall, you can see that I'm God or your heart can be hardened. It's, that's all through Scripture. So it's got to be one of the two. And since Pharaoh doesn't follow God, his heart's hardened. It's going to make him run away from God more. Mm-hmm. There's not a neutral. You can't just stay where you are. It's when you see something that God does. It's okay, God did this and He's amazing, or God doesn't exist and I hate Him. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when people saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, some believed and some said, "Let's kill Him." Yeah. There is no God and I hate Him. I caught that. I was, yeah. Um, <laughs> the second, the second response is is what we talked about. What well, must it be? Okay, passive. And then the first, the A, A was uh, Moses in the desert. Uh, Moses, Bush said, uh, I'm going to harden his heart. I'm a... Okay, that's the, that's the HC, that's the HCSB uh, translation. I'm going to harden his heart. Okay. The, uh, anyway, uh, all right. Uh, so, so you have those. Those are the those are the things, and this happens back way before he gets into Egypt. We have this issue. He says, "I'm going to harden his heart." Okay, what does this mean? This hardening. What does that mean? 
How else is that used in Scripture? Do we, do we hear this anywhere else in Scripture? Yes, but I don't know where. Okay. <laughs> I'm just starting on it once. I just can't recall. Uh, you have it in Acts 19.9, where it, it, it talks about, some translations say men were becoming hardened and disobedient. Uh, uh, the, the eminently superior version says that they were becoming stubborn and would not obey. That's kind of the ESV, yes, the eminently superior version. Um, uh, other places it, it talks of men having a hard spirit, Deuteronomy 2.30. Um, and we'll see later in Exodus this idea quite a bit with the, 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 um, with the Israelite people. He says, you are a stiff-necked people and hardened heart. Um, so you, you see this idea again and again. The Gospels speak of the hardness of the hearts of men. Look at uh, Matthew 19.8. Matthew 19.8 He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. It, it's, they're, they're, they're in sin, and it's a hardened heart, and God deals with that hardness. Um, here's one verse I want to bring out in particular. In Matthew, well, I'm sorry, Mark 3.5 It says, And he looked around at them with anger. And the ESV translates it, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. When we talk about this idea of hardness, and I think, we're, I think most of us would probably land on the, thing, on, on the understanding that in Adam all died. Do we all agree with that? That we start from a, from a standpoint of hating God, denying his eternal attributes, being unthankful, in Adam all died. We, we, would everybody agree with that? Yes. Those of you who don't, you know, please stand up. <laughs> yeah. This is my Bible. Okay. Um, so you you have this understanding in Scripture that in Adam all died. So we all get that. And there's this there's this argument a lot of times when we talk about. The, the, the understanding of the hardness of heart of man from birth. There's this argument that you really shouldn't go there with like new believers or unsaved people because there's, there's milk doctrine and there's meat doctrine. I reject that entirely. I, I don't believe that. I think the milk and the meat thing, the milk is the knowledge of what the word says. The meat is, is the application. It, does it affect your heart? And so when we have these discussions about the hardness of heart, the sinfulness from birth of, of man, we need to take the approach of Christ here. It, he was grieved because of their hardness of heart. Um, I, there, there is a one of the great obstacles, I think, I've experienced and have been engaged in it, uh, to, to this understanding of the Bible that we start from in Adam all die, is, is sometimes, many times, the, um, 
I, I'd call it intellectual exhibitionism that's involved here. The, the idea that, well, you don't get this. You, are you stupid? That you don't get that in Adam all died? How can you not see that God sovereignly moves the heart? How can you not see? This is, there's an emotional component here. If, if I say to you, you will not believe unless God moves upon your heart and transforms your heart. There's an emotional component there that says, but I have a choice. Do, do you understand that? And so when we, when I have in the past railed against somebody for their stubbornness on uh, clinging to this idea of libertarian free will, we all start neutral, this, this kind of thing, that, that's, that's arrogant. Unless God breaks my heart, unless I start from a position of he's sovereign and any wisdom I have, every good gift comes from him, the knowledge puffs up, right? That's an obstacle. So when we talk about things of, of the hardness of the heart and the need for Christ to break it, we need to come at it from a standpoint, we need to come at it with our brothers in Christ or with unbelievers from a standpoint of broken grief over the sinful state of the heart. How can you be compelling? How can you truly engage in evangelism unless you get that in Adam all died? And guess what? In Adam you are dead too. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just want to point something out. In Mark 3, like the passage you read, you read verse 5, but if you look at the whole thing where he goes to these people to kind of break down their idea of the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and because it's on the Sabbath day that he heals this man's hand, mm-hmm. and um, in verse 5, well, well, I'll start verse 4. It says, And he said to them, Is it lawful, lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm, to save life or to kill? And what he's doing is showing them that, that love is the, the goal here, not the Mosaic law. Mm-hmm. And in verse 4 it just says, But they were silent. And in verse 5 it says, And he looked around them with anger, grew to their hearts apart. He said to them, He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He didn't look at the Pharaohs or the Pharisees and tell them you know, that they're totally depraved. He, he just looked at him, and then what he did was something loving to the man, said straight mm-hmm. out of the hand and healed the man's mm-hmm. hand. So through that, their, heart, their hearts were hardened. Through an act of love mm-hmm. for someone, they saw that, um, you know, what, it, what the gospel was, I guess. And then in verse 6, it says they went out and made counsel and held counsel with the Herodians and sought how to destroy how to destroy him. Yeah. And, and, and so he didn't give him like a he could have. theological... He could have. I mean, he's... Wisdom incarnate sitting there among them. Right. He could have railed on them. And he, at times he did engage in those intellectual debates with them, the, the, the theological debates with them, and trounced them, confounding the lawyers, which, you know, and then confounding the, the, the Pharisees and their, and their arguments. But he didn't do it. You're right. It was an act of love that, that he did. Um, and and one, of, one of the things that, that, that we need to remember, when you, when you make these arguments, and you will, hopefully, uh, when, you, when, you, when you're evangelizing or when you, are, um, when you are talking with another brother or sister in Christ who may not start from this standpoint, and I want to be very clear that they, they are brothers and sisters in Christ that may not start from this standpoint, when you start there, when you hit it, you may have people just bow up and hurl things at you 
we had paper plates and cups in our house for years because she's a good shot. And, and we wanted to... So we, we had some very interesting discussions over this very issue. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm aggressive. And Tammy's aggressive. And so, um, and so we had discussions, very heated discussions over, you know, Piper talks about, look, I dropped the pen, you know, that kind of, We had very similar discussions. And, and so... Um, There are very there. Well, let me see. And I don't. I don't mean this to Tammy, but I, other people and I have had this discussion as well. And there were there were some some pretty nasty things that 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 were were hurled in the, in the conversation, uh, not by me. And um, and and so you think about Proverbs, where it says, "Answer a fool according to his folly," or "Don't answer a fool according to his folly." Right. You have a discernment issue there on how you approach those things. What's the common thread of the, both of those? You don't be the fool. <laughs> right? Be grieved by the brokenness, by the hardness of heart. That's where we need to start. Okay. All right. Paul tells us that by nature all men have hard hearts. That's true. Ephesians 4.18 is probably a, a good... Yes, sir? Are you just... Okay. You're just relaxing, <laughs> chilling, and I call on you, and suddenly, good feeling gone. I know. It's a, Ephesians four eighteen. Not so relaxing anymore. This <laughs> is four eighteen. It says, "They, the unregenerate, are darkened." in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their libertarian neutrality of free will. (laughs) Due to their hardness of heart. Due to their hardness of heart. This pushback against your God, your sky God, it's due to their hardness of heart. We should be broken over it. But there are objections to this. And And I wanted to deal with some of the objections to this idea. Objection number one. Can you have you heard some objections to this idea? It's not fair. Well, it's not. Fair. That's the title that I have at the top, by the way. It's not fair. Um, what, here's here's an objection. One, scripture. I'm just going to do that. Teaches all men have a responsibility. Oh boy, response. Responsibility to repent and there you go. How's that? And believe. All right. Scripture teaches all men have res- to repent and believe. All right. Scripture teaches all men have responsibility to repent and believe. Do, do you have you heard that one? Right. But the Bible says that all men have to repent and believe. How how can how can you say that they can't do it? From a hardness of heart. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish. That's right. But that all men should come to repentance. You're telling me that God, God's will is being thwarted? Thwarted? <laughs> Love that word. All right. Scripture teaches that all are responsible to repent and believe. What's the response to that? That's true, right? 
times he was forbearing, but now he's commanded all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel, Paul says on Mars Hill. What, what do you respond to that? How do you do that? How do you deal with that? I'm going to go ahead and do this. Answer. Okay. What, what's, the, what's the response? Well, God grants faith, which is belief, and God grants repentance. He gives both. Are you saying that men can't exercise their will here? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the the way I, the way that I think is a, a good way to handle this is to is to say something along the lines of the issue isn't whether or not men have a will. I mean, any, anybody who holds to this understanding that we start dead in Adam, hardened against the the movement of God, hardened against the the miracles, the obvious signs of God. I mean, you get some pretty amazing things happening in Egypt, and in fact. Pharaoh becomes Pharaoh and the Egyptians become the prototype for this kind of idea later on. I mean, he God refers back to to this many many times. Don't harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh did in the Exodus. I mean, he refers to that again and again. It becomes a prototype for this. The issue is not whether or not they have a will. Obviously, men have a will. We're creating the image of God. We make choices. It's what we're able to do with that will. It's the ability. What can the will do? What can it do? What is the will? Will is a choice. God what? God does all his holy will. God does all his holy will. He is, in a way, bound by his nature. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily put it that way, but I understand what you mean. You understand what you mean. Yeah, I do. That was another cup that you threw at me. What? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the will is what you want but, to do. But when you're, when you're dead in your sin, mm -hmm. you can do your will within that realm of sinfulness. Okay. We do what we most love to do. Yeah. Is that, that's the will. I love coffee. I hate V8 juice. In the morning, I say hate. I love it less. I, I prefer coffee. I'm not so big on V8. Especially when you're expecting coffee, you go drink it, it's V8. It's wrong. I, I go like total you Revelation 3 on it. I spew it out of my mouth. It's a, is it very much so? Well, oh, you, were, you had your hand up. I thought you were relaxing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> kind of a curious thing. This may be what you're trying to go with, but uh, so Scripture teaches uh, obviously all men Right? We need God's will to be able to do that. Right. Right. So, God wills it so we can. Right. So, He starts it. He initiates it through His activity. Is that... That's, that's where I'm going. Um, <laughs> I think it's relaxing. Boy, I tell you, there are a lot of relaxing people. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. And we, nobody's going to repent and believe unless they see the glory of Christ because they don't have anything to repent. Like, why would they? Because they right. Right. But then when, you, when they see the glory of Christ, they're like, oh, dang, you know, I'm in a bad spot. So then they turn to that instead. And God doesn't reveal the glory of the Son to everyone. He doesn't throw his pearls before swine, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And he chooses some to open our eyes and see mm -hmm. Christ. And we I'm in a bad spot. 
we're in a bad spot. Where's that? That's from, oh, brother, where are they? Yeah, okay. <laughs> in a bad spot. Okay. Those who believe in, in, in free grace, we believe, I believe, that sinners are responsible for their choices. I believe Pharaoh's responsible for his choices. Even though God clearly says, for this reason I raised you up, <coughs> Pharaoh's responsible for his choice. Do we agree with that? How can he be responsible? This is what he lo- this is this is his limited thing. This is all he's able to do. How can he be responsible? It's still wrong. It's still wrong. That's exactly right. Against the measure of a holy God, the standard that he has set, how sorry that the creature's very nature is in rebellion against that standard. Right? A sociopath who kills people may be doing what he most loves to do. And that's all he does. I'll go another step further. An abortion doctor in, I don't know, Philadelphia, uh, may be doing what he loves to do in that grotesque murdering industry. And yet, against the standard of the law, he is guilty, even though that's all he's able to do because his heart loves it. Right? What, 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 are the, what are the greatest commandments again? Well, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those are the great ones. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. How can we be so um, emotionally disgusted by some sins when we violate the greatest commandments all day long. We're not moved by that, but for the, the Spirit moving us, opening our eyes to the glories of Christ and the depravity, there it is, the depravity of our hearts. So, Scripture teaches that all, that all are responsible to believe in print. We agree with that. I agree with that. But those who believe in free grace believe that sinners... Uh, are responsible for the choices, but we den- what we deny is that God requires no more than man is able to do. Sociopath can only kill. It's what he wants to do. I deny that, uh, that God requires no more than the sociopath is able to do. I deny that, that, that God requires no more than the self-centered, I won't love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, and soul. I won't love my neighbor as myself. That, that God requires no more than he's able to do. And Scripture teaches that all of us, uh, what would you call that, a gaudiopath? What would you call that? What would, the, the, the constant rebellion against those two laws. What would that be? Oh, I don't know. Sinner? Okay. God requires perfect obedience to his law from those who have no ability or desire to obey it. Romans 8.7. Romans 8.7 says, some of you can quote it. I can't. It cannot. That is a word of ability, not um, coming from a state of neutrality and choosing one. I've got good and evil in both hands, and I'm just going to... Cannot is ability. I'm pegging evil the whole time. All right. Look at um, man's inability springs from his sinful sinful and rebellious unwillingness. He cannot... Um, because he will not. All right, objection two. We've got to move. I'm sorry. 
Um, objection number two. Uh, scripture teaches that man has a will, a choice, and is not a robot or a puppet. Heard this one? Yeah. What do you... Ain't <laughs> no <laughs> puppet. That's the, that's the second objection. Ain't no puppet. It's the HCSB version. Ain't no puppet. Um, what, what, uh, what, what's the response to this? You puppets? What's the response? <laughs> this, is, this is ultimately the fair question. Yeah. Because it's not up to us what God does with us. We are God's. He created us. Mm-hmm. So if you point to Romans, we are Bible, God's apostrophe S, yes. not yes. in the Mormon sense. Yes. We, okay. Okay. So <laughs> God's possession. Okay. God's possession. Just want to be in clear. Romans, in Romans nine, it talks about uh, God makes certain pots of noble mm-hmm. purpose and certain for non-noble purpose, mm-hmm. and we're His. We're His to make for that, or His not to make for that. Who are we to answer back to God? Who? who made so us? He did make His puppets. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, what somebody else was saying. You have your circle, and you know God gives you the freedom to do as many things as He allows. Mm-hmm. So I think, in a sense, I mean, you don't want to say that you are puppets, but you kind of are. I mean, like in First Corinthians, it says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because he can't he can't do the right thing. Like even if he tried, like. He doesn't know the things of God. So, like Pharaoh, I don't know that Pharaoh. I mean, this is this is controversial. I think it would be a good point to argue some, but I don't know that Pharaoh could have done anything other than harden his heart. No. You know. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it the. Uh, <laughs> hold on. I'll do the uh, the Duck Dynasty way. Nah. No. His heart's hardened, Jack. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're not relaxing. <laughs> Okay, I, it's hard to tell. Is it the left hand that I should look for? Is it's the right hand? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. When you put your head to your hand. Okay, what you got? What, do, you, do you have a, let's say? I think we have freedom within the will. Okay. Uh, like, obviously, if we have not experienced Christ, experienced his redemption, then we can will within that. Yes. Like we like I can will to do whatever sin I want. You okay? But I'm still in a state and it's still gonna be sinful no matter what. But God can accomplish his divine will through that. But also, now that we are being redeemed, I don't think you agree with this. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I do. I'm thinking of a scene in Lord of the Rings I'm gonna go to here. <laughs> uh, but I think we have freedom within the will of God, but regardless of what we will, it's still going to be accomplished. Like, he can sure. use our will to shape whatever he wants. That makes sense. Okay, yes. Philippians 2, 12, and 13 says, yes. you work out your own salvation right. when you're in trouble. Right, mm-hmm. So that's like you, you working it out, you know. And that's me. it is God who works in you. Both right. to will and to work for his good pleasure is verse 13 with a separate by a comma. Do you, yeah, the so comma is wonderful. So it's both, but I, I'm agreeing with Dave. Yeah. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
You're, you're working it out mm. according to your will, mm -hmm. which is by your nature. But mm -hmm. your will, not necessarily as a puppet, but your will is decided by God. Mm -hmm. It's God's will. But do you think that, I mean, that's obviously talking about after you've been redeemed, that there's, there's a freedom within your new nature to yeah. now do things that are right. Yes. Yes. And now you can do right, but sometimes you... The way I think of it is the old nature sphere mm -hmm. and the new nature sphere. You you have the ability to choose which college you go to or whatever. Mm -hmm. That may be all good choices as long as you're still living within the revealed will. The revealed will mm -hmm. of God's word. Yeah. But sometimes that sphere overlaps with the old nature, and we choose to go back and do <clears> and lap our vomit. Yes. I think we're not puppets. We're slaves. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. Well, that thought goes back to what you believe about where you came from. Mm. Did you will yourself into existence? Well, if you didn't, then by nature, you, your will yeah. you're, is you're, invalid anyway. You've been given characteristics by something or someone. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, if God's involved in nature, he, he didn't just create us and say, okay, now you make up your own decision. He's in there working with us. I was going to go with the Lord of the Rings analogy, but Philip's analogy I think is better. Um, I was going to go with the at the end, you know, whenever what the 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 the, the, um, the steward of Gondor tells Mary, "I release you from my service. Now go die in a way that seems best to you." Mary is free to die in a way that seems best to him. Uh, but but I think the better analogy would be. I think the better analogy would be, Philip, Philip has said this from the pulpit, and I think it's great. He talks about a, 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 um, a um, what is it, the, the I mean, Animal Planet special or something that he saw about this lion that was starving, right? And he's in, in this, it's a, the drought and, or, or some kind of, the, all, all, the, all the normal objects of prey are gone. And so this lioness is circling, she's, you see getting skinnier and skinnier, and she's dying She's dying right underneath a fruit tree that has poured all of its fruit all around. All she has to do is eat the fruit, and she'll live. But it's not in her nature to eat vegetation. Meat is in her nature. She could eat it. She would live. But she, she dies in the midst of food from hunger because it's not in her nature. That's, what, that's the picture we have here. You see God's goodness his kindness, his graciousness everywhere, and you, you can bask in it or you can starve to death in the midst of it is really what is, is, is the idea. Um, scripture does teach that man has a choice and he acts freely in the exercise of that choice. The issue is, will he ever make the proper choice? Will he ever eat the apple? Which has yeah. Genesis 3 issues, so we may not go there. But the opposite. We're wanting to eat the fruit instead of the meat, the body of Christ. Nicely done. Uh, the Bible teaches that man's will is bound and controlled by a sinful nature so that he cannot and will not choose Christ. He will not believe the gospel. He will not forsake sin unless God in sovereign grace changes his nature. You have uh, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy, made us, made us, acted upon us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he goes through this whole thing. For by grace you have... For it is by grace you've been saved, not uh, through faith. It's not your own works, so that no one may boast. For this purpose I've raised you up, that my name be glorified in the nations. In the same way, for this purpose I've saved you, 
that my name may be glorified among the nations. We don't boast in our actions. And anything that leads me to boast in I chose, I made it. You know, you, each one of us have in our lives probably some family member who is not in Christ. It, is that true? Uh, raised in the same home, in the same church, with the same intellect, with the same Bible, with the same influences, and they reject vigorously Christ. Am I smarter? Am I wiser? Am I more spiritually sensitive? No, I'm not. By grace I've been saved through faith, and it's not me, and I'm not going to boast about it. I boast in Christ and Christ alone. And if we're not grieved by the hardness, we should keep our mouths shut. Okay, three. Three. Every man does not act as sinfully as he is capable of acting. Every man is hot in this room. Uh, three. Uh, ain't as bad as I could be. There are Muslims who do not strap bombs on their backs and go into the middle of, of, of uh, nurseries, right? They're not as bad as they could be. Some are worse. There are Buddhists and atheists who go to build houses after a hurricane comes through. They do humanitarian effort. What a wonderful thing. <clears throat> Every man does not act as simply as he's capable of acting. What does the Bible say? Is that a hand? That's a hand. I can tell that. That is an aggressive... <laughs> Let me tell you. Come on. From the world standard, that's correct. But when you're looking at sin is sin and still rebellion towards God. Mm-hmm. Sure, I don't, you know, strap off my back and go to nurseries, but me uh, boasting about something I've done is equally as bad in the eyes I've said it backwards before. I've said that all sin is equal, and I'm not sure that that's the case, but that all sin Right, right. I I think that's fair. I think that's fair. The the result is the same. It's still a finger in the face of God, no matter what. It's cosmic treason, as as R.C. Sproul calls it. Yes. All things done without faith is sin. Okay. So even a a good, a morally good, the difference between moral and ethical. Moral is appropriate in society. In society, Mm -hmm. ethical is appropriate to God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So things done morally, meaning. Oh, we look at that and, and helping somebody, an old lady cross the street or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing for society. But if the heart's motivation isn't there, it's sin just like all everything else. If their motivation for doing it is, is to elevate themselves or whatever, all things done without faith are sin. It's like the Boy Scout trying to get his merit badge. Yeah. But I don't want to cross the street, Sonny! You know, and he's still dragging her. I'm getting good. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is a not a relaxing hand. <laughs> Two things came to mind. Uh-oh. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where they yeah. both went up to pray, and the Pharisee said, God, thank you for not letting me be like this tax collector, the mm-hmm. people, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. The tax collectors fallen prostrate before God, saying, forgive me my sin. And the tax collector was the one that is forgiven. But, um, 
also the, uh, what's that? In fact, Jesus says, this man, the tax collector, goes down justified right. rather than the other. Yeah. And uh, Hitchens is talking about atheists do good things or whatever. And Doug Wilson says, well, who's acting contrary to the, what they're supposed to be doing? Right. When Christian sins, it's not what they're supposed to be doing, so they're wrong. But when an atheist sins, it's like, I mean, when an atheist does something that's good, that's kind of contrary to the nature because they're just people that came out of slop in a pond. So it's not, they're not supposed to be doing good things. Right. So it's inconsistent with the worldview to do, yeah. to do something. Right. Is there, Yes. Another active hand. Well, well, even God saved us from our righteousness. Because mm-hmm. our righteousness is what we are at. Mm-hmm. So, that's why we need. We need a foreign righteousness. Yes. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, God teaches this in many ways. You know, so I gave Wilson Paul, the missionary I'm working right now. He's been there about three weeks. And he called kind of defeated mm-hmm. this week. Because everybody has to come to the realization that you can't save somebody else. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard you try. Mm-hmm. You can't flip the switch in their head. You just can't flip the switch. And it's like, you're doing what God tells you to do, but you're not responsible for the result of it. Yeah. And do you want it? Yeah. I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> Good <laughs> Lord, I'd be in the corner in the fetal position with a nosebleed if somebody's eternal destiny depended on my persuasiveness. But you know what you get. You're on a mission. Well, how many people have been saved? Right. <laughs> well, if you're Baptist, you always just save ten. <laughs> you've walked in the room, you've saved ten because you know. You're Baptist. Did I say that on? Okay. Every man at heart. I think I forgot to edit. Every man at heart is the same. Every man at heart is the same. Uh, Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says, "As water." As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. Every man left to himself is capable of the most heinous crimes. Every man at heart is the same, deceitful and desperately wicked, like it says in Jeremiah 17.9. There's a sense in which, well, there's not just sense, there is a reality in which God restrains even uh, the unregenerate heart. Right? He keeps... Um, <clears throat> you remember, maybe you don't, but look back at Genesis 20, Abimelech. Remember the Abimelech? It's just fun to say the name. Um, and and <clears throat> Abraham, man of faith, <clears throat> freaks out, scared, going because of a drought, goes into a foreign land, and is there and he says, Sarah, look, you're, you're a hottie, and um, we're going to be around some guys that I don't really trust. I don't know they fear God, so just tell them you're my sister. Okay? Awkward, puts her in danger, saves his skin. Uh, the Abimelech sees Sarah, and she's a hottie. So he looks at her, but God comes to him in a dream and says, I have kept you from sinning against Sarah. No, sinning against me. That's what he says. God restrained the heart of this Gentile king. Um, so there is a sense in which God does restrain evil. Sometimes he doesn't. And he's free to do that. And they go and fall more and more deeper in sin and snipe people in, in, in uh, San Francisco. So, uh, objection, objection four. Objection four. Even, are we that late? Wow. Even wicked men perform acts that are good in the sight of other 
people? The answer to that, men are wicked in God's sight and totally incapable of doing what is well-pleasing to him. We've talked about, about that issue. Um, Bad guys do good stuff. Okay? How can you say that, well, how can you say that every heart is born depraved when bad guys do good stuff? That's another, another form of this, this argument. Yeah. Something you have to think about, and it may not be the case every time, but they make good stuff with a bad motive. Right. So if you look at the heart, why are they doing it? Why are they helping that lady across the street? Right. They're trying to gain favor from right. coworkers, trying to impress their girlfriend, trying to. That's usually the case. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. And I think another kind of bit to that is that uh, you can look at, at the world today and you can go, man, the gospel has infiltrated. You know every aspect of, of the planet. You can mm-hmm. you can look at America, a non-Christian nation called the Christian nation, mm-hmm. and see people doing philanthropic is that the right pronunciation um, things that are very good, but that's it's carried on by society because of the infiltration of the gospel because of the word of God. Some have called that the ghost of Christianity. Yeah, the the, the stamp of the past carried out because it's just stamped on our culture, this idea that these things are good to do, but not really from the heart. Yeah? Um, yeah, that's very true. The church, as it grows, people see that these things that they don't even know that they're scriptural, the things like humility and things like that are good things, and they work, you know, like even in business and stuff. But the problem is, like, what are we talking about good? Mm-hmm. We're talking about, like here we're talking about soteriology, where the heart has changed. I mean, it may be a good moral thing for civilization, but to God, it's it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. It. I was just going on that. Like, what is your definition of good? Mm-hmm. Like, is it good compared to what the Muslims believe? Right. They think it's good to blow up. Right. You know, churches, mosques. Sure. You know, but is it good compared to the Word of God? Right. By and, God's standard. And that's our standard, exactly. Yes. Um, kind of hard to formulate this in words. I mean, you think of say atheist. Doing good, something good, and in his mind he's doing it. I'm gonna do something good despite of God. I'm trying to prove that I can be good. Sure, God. sure. I don't need your God to be good. Right. Um, and in fact, a lot of them argue that. Yeah, it's one of the core arguments that, that you're telling me that they wouldn't have known that murder was wrong unless Moses had written down, "Thou shalt not murder." Is that really what you're saying? Well, um, no. What we're saying is, uh, the law is given so that you would be more condemned by the law and need Christ. That's that's what we're saying. Um, there has to be a standard somewhere. Right. So what's happening with Pharaoh? What's happening with Pharaoh? Is God now powerless against this, we'll just say, reprobate heart? No. He's giving Pharaoh up to his own desire. He's not restraining the unbelief of his heart, and he goes further and further in the midst of, in the face of, incredibly obvious signs that this God is not one you want to trifle with. Fall down, repent, believe, and obey him. Bring your animals and your men out of the field and into the house, or they're going to die. He doesn't do it. Obvious rebellion, obvious hardness of heart, and um, it's God not restraining his unbelief like he did 
Abimelech's. All men are born into sin. In Adam all died. God chooses Israel out of the rest of the nations and leaves the rest of the nations. What? To God, God has a wonderful plan for your life for the rest of the nations. No, he leaves them in their sin. He's letting them go. He's giving them up. Not like, oh, I'll just give them up. But he's giving them up to their own desire. Um, then out of Israel, he chooses. And the rest he gives up to their own heart. And that's what's happening uh, to Pharaoh and the hard Egyptians. God is simply leaving them in their sins and not restraining them as they fall deeper and deeper into rebellion against him. Why would he do that? What does he say? For this purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power. What power is he talking about? He's talking about judgment. I'm, I'm leaving you in your hardness so I can judge you and show you and show the world my, number one, my power to do it, my authority to do it, and my right to do it. Is that right? Um, here's, here's the thing. The, the letter to the Hebrews warns us not to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Peter warns each of us to make our calling and election sure. Christ asks the disciples, and, and I believe by extension he asks us the same thing, do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? What, 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 what we need to realize is that Christ alone can unharden the heart. He alone can give that illumination and faith needed to, to believe the gospel. Um, to the one who stays hardened, the word of God warns, Proverbs 29.1, he who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. What an incredible statement. If you're in church, that's great. I'm glad you're here. But if you're, if you're still resisting the, the work of the body of Christ to, to call us to repentance, to point out where we're failing and need to be conformed to the image of Christ, if there's pride and pushback there, keep this in mind. Um... He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. This is where, where, where James uh, said, well, well, John will say, they went out from among us because they were never of us. This is that idea. This hardened pushback eventually may prove that you were never in Christ. This, this, is, this is where that, that comes from. Um, th- this, this whole idea here, Oh, wow, where am I going to write it? Um, it's called, the technical term, I guess, the, the $10 word is, maybe we call it total inability. Some call it total depravity. I like total inability. Um, I, I billed this last week as, yeah, we're going to do all the objections. I maybe overbuild it um, because there are other elements. But I think that if you get this, if, you're, if, you, if you grasp this, uh, the whole Reformed theology, Calvinism thing falls into place, right? Um, 
Let's see. You have what? Election without merit. Unconditional. Election without merit. You have uh, atonement that means something because it has to. If it purchases repentance, if it purchases faith, Christ's atonement is the word is effectual. It, it creates not mere possibility, but it's purposed. It came to seek and actually save the lost. That that's the idea. So we say we say uh, atonement. Uh, effectual. I like dash is what can I say? You have grace that because God is moving in the heart, it is well, the beauty of Christ is irresistible. Right? So grace irresistibility. Right, okay, five. You have perseverance. Okay. Perseverance. That that is that's, that is yours, but not yours. You have perseverance that actually means something. Um, faith that perseveres to the end, because it's not our work by our neutral will, but a gift from the Father, through the death and resurrection of the Son, that grows through the work of the Spirit. If you get this and are broken by this you have the opposite of a hardened heart. Does that make sense? You, you have a heart, as Psalm 110.3 says, made willing in the day of his power. That's what you have. People made willing in the day of his power. Um, and we can understand this intellectually. We can spout the arguments. We can record you know, the, Senate, the canons of Dort and go through all that stuff and the arguments from history and all of that. But are you broken by this? It, that, that's the meat. This stuff is milk. <laughs> this is all intellectual. And it's good. You need knowledge, but knowledge should produce wisdom, and wisdom is brokenness. <coughs> Do, does that make sense? Yes. Is everybody's butt sufficiently numb? Do I need to let you go? Yes? I think I agree with what you're just saying now is I think at the crux of this is humility, mm-hmm. is giving honor where honor is due and understanding where we are, which is humbling. And um, I won't read it, but in, in uh, John chapter 1, 12 and 13, it says that those who did receive him, mm-hmm. it was not of the flesh, mm-hmm. it was not of the will, mm-hmm. nor of man, but God. But of God. And yeah. that, I think, just slices your pride to bits because... Uh, of us that we, you know, we get puffed up and mm-hmm. look at what I did and I made the right choice and we're even looking down our nose at other people, they don't understand us or whatever. It's not of us at all. It's about God and giving credit where credit's due. And, 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 what I, and what is even more paradoxical and ironic is when somebody says, I'm a Calvinist, why don't you get it? What? <laughs> what? I don't get that. Um, all right. Let's pray. <laughs> for Ty. Um, God, we do thank you for a grace we could never earn, for an election we could never orchestrate, for an atonement that uh, we, could never, we could never buy. We thank you that you are working in us. Teach us to work with fear and trembling. 
from right hearts, from the position of woe is me, thank you for your grace rather than look what I know. God, I pray that day after day after day, uh, a joy would invade our hearts that would grow and, 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 and be reflected in our actions as we um, happily share the gospel indiscriminately to everyone, realizing that it is your power that makes people willing, not our persuasiveness. We want to be faithful to your word and, and, and remember our proper place in this great drama of creation. Father, let us be humbled as we interact with our brothers and sisters in Christ who may not hold this view of the human heart. Humility should be the, um, the, should be the river in which we, stream, we swim in these things and not, and, not, um, and not derision and pride. This is not a mere academic intellectual game. This is real life reality that some are given up to their hardness and others you have great mercy. And we, uh, the recipients of that mercy, want to operate with the, the proper and, and uh, appropriate humility and thankfulness to you and in our relationship to those around us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the body of Christ that um, is a means of grace growing us in this wisdom um, that you've given us by your spirit. And so we, we pray for the next service. We pray for Philip, that you would uh, bless the, the word as it goes preached among your people today. In Jesus' name, amen.